0: Uh, What comes to mind when you think about what has contributed to or what's facilitated your personal growth? All right, and this could be a skill or a role or just a way of being, Uh, but what have you noticed that helps or facilitates your growth? So I'll give you a moment to think about that, and as you're comfortable, meet someone near you uh, and just share some, some of your thoughts, All right? I'll give you a moment to do that. All right. So I'm always trying to find the right balance of how much time to give you all. Some people have told me they want more time. They feel like they would love to have more time to chat. And then some people are like, can you make that shorter? So I'm trying to find just the right amount. Um, I think, okay. Um, any thoughts? What, what are some things that you've seen, at least in your own journey, that's, that have facilitated or, or allowed growth to happen? Okay. So actually trying to challenge yourself So getting out of what you're normally comfortable with. Okay. Crisis. Crisis. That's, yeah, that's a, that's a way to grow. Any other thoughts? Tough love. love. Okay. (laughs) Maybe hearing what you need to, maybe what you don't want to hear. Okay. Being in a new place. So an environment. Yeah. A boring daily discipline. Hate it. Relationships, yeah. What's that? Role planning? Oh, goal planning, got it. Yes, having goals is good. Trial and error. Learning from mistakes, growing from those. Mentors. Mentors, having people actually who've gone before you, learning from them. Of course. Thank you, Carol, for that. <laughs> um, so for me, um, so I kind of blame Amy Wolfgang for this, um, but a couple of months ago, Christopher actually shared how Amy convinced him to take musical theater dance. <laughs> so, so after he dove in, I was like, I'm not gonna be like, I'm not gonna do this. Be the, like, He's not gonna be the only pastor on staff that gets to do dance. I wanna do that too. Uh, so, I started showing up for uh, hip-hop dance classes. Um, so, it's, it's actually something I've always wanted to do. Um, and you can only play just dance so much before you have to do the real thing. And so, this was my first time ever being in, like, an instructor-led dance class. And so, I didn't know what to expect. Uh, the first night, I, first night I show up, um, it's, you know, they choreograph like this whole song, you have to learn all the, all the things, and then at the end of the class, they split you into two groups, and then half the group dances, half watches, and you kind of take turns in doing that. Um, and so, I was gonna share another embarrassing thing, but maybe not. Um, well, okay. So, my second night that I showed up, uh, it was, I, I, I got into the room, and it was a room of like 15 women. And I was like, maybe I'm in the wrong place, because I don't want to be that guy in that room. <laughs> and so fortunately, by the end of the, when the class started, a couple of other guys showed up. But in my mind, I was like, I need to actually dance incredibly hard to prove that I belong here. <laughs> but there are two takeaways from, from going to the class. One um, was repetition. Like you just need a lot of repetition to grow in your ability to dance. And then two was you just have to not be self-conscious, right, and you just have to go hard. Even if you're gonna get it wrong, you just gotta go hard. Um, Our instructor kept reminding us that we needed to break out uh, out of our day shell. So whatever it is you do during the day, however you carry yourself in your work body, you just have to leave that at the door, right? And so that was super helpful to hear because I was so focused on like, growing the technical aspects you know, of learning the actual moves that I didn't realize there was a reimagining of growth in terms of just my mental approach, right? And just how I show up, Like that's a big part of it too. And so in some ways reimagining that growth has been helpful for my very early, early hip hop dance career. So <laughs> you're probably thinking I have a video for you, but I'm, I don't, it's not happening this morning. <laughs> Oh, right, yeah, no, that's not happening either. No, no demonstration either. Instead, our lectionary text, how'd you like that transition? So our lectionary text for this morning, uh, it offers a familiar parable that Jesus told, one where this farmer scatters seed, you know, just on different types of soil and then each soil has a different response. And so it paints this picture of what facilitates growth. And for me, most of my understanding, kind of growing up, hearing this parable, it's centered around being a specific type of soil. And if I wasn't that kind of soil, then there was a lot of shame or judgment, right? Because bad soil equals bad person. And so I'm not sure that shame and judgment should be the main takeaway from this parable. And so as I've spent some time re-exploring and reflecting on this story again, I've noticed some different invitations that have surfaced for me. And so the question I want to explore this morning is, as we follow in the way of Christ, how are we invited to reimagine growth, especially when it comes to the source of growth, when it comes to the environment of growth, when it comes to the goals of growth? And so as we engage the text this morning, we'll we'll explore how growth might be more than just becoming good soil as the end goal. So we start in verse 3, where Jesus begins to tell them a parable. He says, listen, a sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seeds fell on a path, and the birds came and ate them up. Other seeds fell on rocky ground, where they did not have much soil, and they sprang, sprang up quickly, and since they had no depth of soil... But when the sun rose, they were scorched, and since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and brought forth grain, some a hundredfold, some 60, and some 30." And so at first glance, you know, the different types of soil seem to have this hierarchy where the good soil ranks at the top, and like I mentioned, you know, growing up in church, all the focus and emphasis was on becoming good soil and to stop being bad soil. And that was the primary takeaway. But Jesus introduces this as the parable of the sower, not the parable of the soil. And it's actually an invitation to reconsider the story from the primary perspective of the sower. And when we look through that lens, the question then becomes why is he scattering seeds everywhere and anywhere? Because that's the opposite of a strategic way of creating growth. Um, so last year, we had a group from Vox uh, volunteer with one of our local partners, Urban Roots, uh, for a work day. And we were instructed you know, to prep the soil. We would shovel out little holes that were evenly spaced along the row. They even gave us rulers Right, to make sure that there was adequate space between each plant. And so we gently put the seeds in each hole and then cover them up with the soil. And that was strategic. That was intentional. Right? That was using best practices for gardening. But here in this parable, the sower is literally throwing seeds everywhere without intention. And based on that snapshot, he appears to be either wasteful or untrained. But if we look back on many of Jesus' other parables and his other teachings, there is a common thread of being wastefully extravagant when it comes to generosity, when it comes to grace. And that extravagance is coming from a place of divine abundance. And so for us, as we re- reimagine the source of growth, right, we're invited to consent to God's abundance to receive the growth that comes from that abundance. And then it becomes less about our ability or our effort to become good soil. And it's more about the abundance of God that isn't limited based on the type of soil we are. It's a reminder for us that we're not the primary cause for our own growth. You know, the Apostle Paul He had a similar understanding of this when he was trying to resolve some conflict within the early church, and it seemed like the community was split around which leader they were attributing their growth to, and so Paul tries to offer some clarity by saying this in 1 Corinthians. He says, when when one of you says, I'm on Paul's side, and another says, I'm for Apollos, aren't you being totally childish? Who do you think Paul is anyway, or Apollos for that matter? Servants, both of us, we each carried out our servant assignment. I planted the seed, Apollos watered the plants, but God made you grow. It's not the one who plants or the one who waters who's the center of this process, but God who makes things grow. And so for us, maybe something we can try this week is, is to sit in that, reflect on that, practice some silence, whether it's centering prayer or meditation, and just reflect on what God's abundance means. How does God's abundance impact our ability and willingness to simply consent to God's movement in our lives? Maybe we can even sit with the image of a plant in a random forest, and how it grows with any assistance from us. How might that help remind us that we are not the primary cause for our own growth? And then if we go back to verse four, Jesus said, and as he sowed, some seeds fell on a path, and the birds came and ate them up. Others' seeds fell on the rocky ground where they did not have much soil, and they sprang up quickly, and since they had no depth of soil, but when the sun rose, they were scorched, and since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. And so after Jesus tells this parable to the crowds, he explains it to his disciples in private, and he describes how each of these soils represents how different people respond to the life and teachings that he embodies. And so the path where the seeds get taken by birds— represents people who lack understanding. It doesn't really sink in for them. The rocky ground represents people who may have been excited at first, but as they encounter challenges and difficulties, they quiet quit. And then the patch of thorns represents people who get choked by the worries, by the wealth of the world. And as I've reread and reimagined what this parable is offering, One observation that surfaced for me was, even in these challenging types of soil, growth was still happening, right? On the path, I mean, sure, the bird eats the seed, but through the creative process of nature, that isn't the end of the seed, right? The bird flies somewhere else, takes a bathroom break, and the seed ends up being planted. Um, which is apparently how I ended up with this whole row of hackberries along my fence, because that's where all the birds hang out. And then on the rocky ground, right, the shallow soil didn't allow for deep roots to form, but there was an early burst of growth and energy. And on the path of, patch of thorns, the seed had to grow and become something large enough for the thorns to actually grow around them and choke them. And so the point is that even in these barren, shallow, and even oppressive environments, the sower still sees value to scatter seeds because he wants to meet us where we are. Even in those spaces, there's still movement and growth that can happen. And so for us, as we we reimagine the environment of growth, we're invited to acknowledge that an appropriate amount of growth happens even in difficult and challenging seasons. And many times we don't have control over when we enter and remain in those seasons. Sometimes it's the thorns of losing a job or experiencing relational breakdown. Or sometimes it's the rockiness of being under equipped or under capacity for a family need or for a work transition. And so perhaps the invitation is to be intentional in acknowledging the growth that happens, even in challenging soil. You know, as I was reflecting on this framework of growth and soil, I tried to apply it to my own journey here at Vox. And I began to notice how the different types of soils mapped to different seasons that I've experienced. And so reflecting on the path, right, where the seeds are snatched up by birds, that actually brought me back um, years before we actually started Vox. You know, I had grown up in a fundamental Chinese immigrant church setting, and one of the seeds that was scattered back then was whether we should affirm our LGBTQ siblings. And unfortunately, that seed did not take. It bounced off the hard surface of biblical literalism and homophobia that shaped my early faith experience. And it wasn't until years after this community had started that we were able to create space, safety, curiosity, humility, for the seed to return back, and for me to grow and be part of a discernment process that fully affirmed our LGBTQ siblings. After all those years in between the original hard path had just caused that seed to return in a different place in a different time. And then reflecting on the rocky soil. You know, that brought me back to our early years here at Vox, when we were much younger, less gray hair. um, We were a bit more naive, had a lot of excitement and genuine energy to create and build an intentional community that was engaged with this underserved neighborhood. And so we started a community center here in East Austin. We named it Space 12. We formed intentional community homes in the east side, which we called the 297 Collective. And we did all of this within the first year of starting Vox, which that in itself was a huge thing and undertaking. And we quickly burnt out because boundaries didn't exist. We had no idea what self-care meant. We just didn't have the roots to be fully grounded in our journey to become good neighbors and advocate for the vulnerable. And yet it was through those rocky experiences that I learned the importance of building mutual relationships. I grew in my need for self care. And then reflecting on the patch of thorns, right? That brought me to the recent pandemic years. You know, there was relational breakdowns when half of our pastoral team left unexpectedly. On top of that, the pandemic made it impractical and unsustainable to maintain meaningful meaningful community connections when our only tool available was Zoom. And there were so many unknowns, there were so many needs. Right, I didn't choose to be put in that patch of thorns, and yet I was there for a season. There were so many thorns that were choking out my ability to fully care for this community, to care even for myself. And yet it was in this heavy and oppressive season that I grew in my capacity to express my voice, express my leadership in a way that was more authentic to who I am. And so for us, maybe a practice we can try is just to name and acknowledge the growth That we've experienced especially in rocky and thorny seasons and instead of simply discounting those seasons as you know bad soil like how might we continue to consent to God's abundance even in those challenging seasons in order to experience growth and then we close in verse 23 But as for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and yields, in one case, a hundredfold, in another, 60, and in another, 30. And so Jesus finishes by describing the good soil, and he focuses on what it means to live an integrated life. Right There's the listening part, the discerning part, And then there's also the active part. Authentic growth occurs when we actually live and practice what we hear and understand. And so we've talked about this before in terms of how an integrated life is one of both contemplation and action. Contemplation is the component that grounds us, keeps us rooted to Christ. Action is the component that embodies the way of Christ. And when we're able to live an integrated life, it doesn't just become personal growth at that point, but it has an impact and an intent that's focused on others, especially those who are vulnerable. And so for us, as we reimagine the goal of growth, we're invited to expand beyond ourselves. Because as we experience our own growth, that growth needs to extend out to others in a way that replicates the way of Christ. You know, something that you'll find uh, throughout our home, and our porch, and our deck, and our yard, just everywhere, um, are a large collection of succulents, which is one of Rachel's favorite things in the world. Uh, It brings her so much joy when she can water them and propagate them, um, so she can expand even more of what we have. It's a gift that keeps giving. And I think it might have been like a couple years ago, she came back home one day, Um, with this cactus pad that she found on the ground. Like, it was just in the parking lot of Bed Bath & Beyond. (laughs) And she brought this one pad back and potted it, and then eventually she was able to plant it in our front yard, and this is what it looks like today. (laughs) So it definitely grew, right? Uh, Propagated itself to another level. And it's gotten so out of control that she's posted on the Buy Nothing group that anyone could come and take a cactus pad home. And actually, please, if any of you would like one, please take (laughs) one. There's literally enough for everyone here. Um, So not only has this cactus experienced extreme growth for itself, but is now being expanded beyond our front yard and making its way into other people's homes throughout this city. And for us as a collective community, I think that's our invitation right to embody an integrated practice that will allow us to be intentionally uh, engaging of our neighborhood the city and expand beyond ourselves while still being grounded and rooted to the way of christ you know sharing how early on in the life of vox we were imbalanced with a lot of energy devoted to action by being present and proactive in our neighborhood and city, but we were lacking um, that grounded peace and being rooted through contemplative practices. And so that's why we burnt out. And after that burnout, we overcorrected ourselves and we became imbalanced the other direction. With a lot of attention devoted to contemplation, tending to our inner soul, you know, self-care. But we became lacking in being connected with our neighborhood and city. And so one of the things that I'm really excited about personally um, is that my role on the pastoral team will be shifting to oversee our partnerships. And a big component of that will be utilizing Vesper, our building here, as a primary vehicle um, just to connect with and serve the city. Um, Lena's done an amazing job laying the foundation for that. And we already have some amazing partners here with inside books project in the library. We have keep Austin fed with their fridge outside there. And my hope is that we can continue to offer this space as a way that connects with and supports how others are already serving the city. You know, the last couple of weeks I've been meeting with organizations and nonprofits, um, like the Asian American resource center, um, Asian Texans for justice, the foundation communities, I'm um, just looking for ways that we can collaborate to serve the vulnerable in our city and to advocate for those who lack a voice. And so one of the practical things that we're needing some support and participation is in is this formation of a new partnerships team here at Vox. Our partnerships team went on a hiatus during the pandemic, um, just since there were not many volunteer opportunities available. But we are looking to restart the team and the hopes of being much more engaged with what's actually happening around us in this neighborhood, in the city at large. And so if you're interested in being part of this, let me or Claire, Claire Kinder, who's gonna be our partnership's lead for the nav- navigation team, um, let us know, and we'd be excited to begin to plan and connect our community to this city. And so as we close, my hope for us, Fox, is that we would be reminded That our god of abundance is constantly and limitlessly reaching out in all seasons and circumstances of our lives god is continuously scattering the seeds of love and grace as an invitation to grow and experience both the groundedness and the movement that christ modeled for us and as a result maybe we can turn around and extend that same love and grace beyond Ourselves. And so let me offer this poem from Padre Gotuma called The Facts of Life. That you were born and you will die. That you will sometimes love enough and sometimes not. That you will lie if only to yourself and that you will get tired. That you will learn most from the situations you did not choose. That there will be some things that move you more than you can say. That you will live, that you must be loved. That you will avoid questions most urgently in need of your attention. That you began as the fusion of a sperm and an egg, of two people who once were strangers and may well still be that life isn't fair. That life is sometimes good, and sometimes better than good. That life is often not so good. That life is real, and if you could survive it, well, survive it well with love and art and meaning, given where meaning's scarce. That you will learn to live with regret. That you will learn to live with respect. That the structures that constrict you may not be permanently constraining that you will probably be okay that you must accept change before you die but you will die anyway and so you might as well live and you might as well love you might as well love you might as well love love. and so we ask all this in the abundance of God our Creator, the solidarity of Christ, and the freedom of the Spirit. Amen.